welcome to Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host. And as you know, our show is all about exploring a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, get us talking, get us imagining, get us laughing, get us thinking seriously, and most of all, getting us connected. I am excited that it's the first Saturday of the month. And as you know, the first Saturday of the month is our Eastside Freedom Library. And I, um, I have my good friend and co-host, Peter Ratcliffe, who is bringing wonderful guests again today. Good morning, Lori. And Peter is also the co-executive director of the Eastside Freedom Library. And there are so many good things happening in July. And I'm so excited about the guests that you brought. Yes. Yeah, so this morning we have with us uh, Greg Gout who is a historian and writer and retired professor and good friend and the author of the wonderful new book, Reinventing the People's Library, which is a history of the building and its relationship to the neighborhood from its beginning in 1917 to its reinvention as the Eastside Freedom Library. Now, were you two uh, professors at McAllister together? No, no. Greg was down the road uh, in Winona. Ah. Um, Yeah, but we were connected in many ways, and I've really appreciated the work he's done on historic sites um, in recent years. I'm looking forward to hearing more about that and and how the Carnegie Mm -hmm. Library has evolved and what it is today. Yeah. And then our other guest this morning is Katie Carpenter, who is the impact producer, uh, which is a new role at TPT2, our local public television affiliate. And she's here to talk with us about some of the documentary films that they've made that we'll be screening and discussing at the library and their ongoing work to build community partnerships. Katie, welcome. Thank you so much. And Greg, we're so glad you're here. It's great to be here. So, if you haven't heard about the Eastside Freedom Library, you need to know about how wonderful this place is. It connects in the community in ways that I think are really powerful, and we'll learn a little bit on how that's being written about in the new book. But you just celebrated the five-year anniversary as well. Right. It's hard to believe that uh, five years have gone by already. Um, We celebrated, I think, as would be appropriate, with a serious, substantial political event uh, with historian and journalist Jelani Cobb, who writes for The New Yorker, teaches at the Journalism School at Columbia University, and has written four important books in African-American history. And Jelani challenged a crowd of about 120 people to think about uh, what he called the half-life of freedom. So uh, what did the emancipation of enslaved people actually make possible? How did they and their ancestors struggle to expand the realities of freedom? And what challenges do we still have ahead of us in 2019? I loved learning more about Juneteenth. I'd always known it was a celebration of the emancipation, but I had no idea how long it took for Juneteenth to actually occur so that all knew that they were emancipated. Yes. Yeah, it was a well-kept secret in various parts of the South. Um, But it was also interesting that Jelani made a strong argument that all of us should be celebrating Juneteenth, that it isn't just an African-American holiday, but the ways that slavery impinged on American democracy, and that we like to think of ourselves in the world as the epitome of democracy and freedom. And he pointed out that for our first almost 100 years of history, that was absolutely not true in the United States, and that we need to come to grips with that history and decide what we're going to do about it. It was wonderful to have all those folks in the room um, you could you could feel the shifts in understanding, mm-hmm. and I every time I've gone to the Eastside Freedom Library, I've felt that happen. That there's never been once that I haven't had an aha. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd, and I was saying to you before we went on the air this morning that we just had an event at the library relating to this program on housing that we're working on, 
where Metric Giles from the Community Stabilization Project objected to the use of the word stakeholders by other speakers. And he pointed out to us that the word stakeholders was first used in reference to the Homestead Act when European immigrants were invited to file their stakes into land that had belonged to Native Americans. And for me, a guy who is now 68 years old, a career teaching history, a PhD in history, I did not even know until the other night what the origins and use of the term stakeholder meant in American popular culture. So we're always learning something new. There's that that line, that trajectory of, of the... Um the ongoing learner, the uh, lifelong, lifelong lifelong learner. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I've always liked your mission, and I always want to share it on our, our first Saturday. Inspiring solidarity, advocating for justice, and work towards equity for all. And the library houses non-circulating research collections that appeal to interested general learners as well as scholars with innovative databases and finding aids that make using the collections fun and vital. And story is a major theme at the Eastside Freedom Library. Telling and gathering of stories through formal interviews, workshops, small-scale public performances, and it allows all the residents to be able to participate and having it be one of the most multicultural or the most multicultural mm -hmm. community yeah. in Minnesota yeah, yeah. makes for wild and wonderful stories. Yeah, but I, I also think that on the occasion of our fifth anniversary, it's a good opportunity to reflect on one of the best stories that we have to tell, which is the story of the library itself and the great work that Greg Goud has done with support from Minnesota taxpayers through the vehicle of the so-called Legacy Amendment. Uh, Greg did a great deal of research and wrote and put together this really beautiful book, which we decided would be the first book published by the Eastside Freedom Library itself. So, I don't know, Greg, you want to tell us a little bit about your project? Yeah, so it's really a, a, a great story. And we got thinking about this because uh, in 2017 was the 100-year anniversary of the three Carnegie branch libraries in St. Paul. And they were the three, the first three branch libraries that were built in St. Paul. And so that's really what the, the title comes from. We call the book Reinventing the People's Library. And we argue that, that that happened twice. So when libraries first got started, for example, in St. Paul, you had the one big downtown library. But then as the city expanded and we had these immigrants coming into neighborhoods like the east side, they were farther and farther away from that big downtown forbidding library. And there was a movement to build branch libraries throughout the neighborhoods, through all the cities. And um, fortunately, it was right about that same time that Andrew Carnegie had this great idea of having this massive philanthropy program to help build libraries across the country, over 1,600 libraries across the U.S. But a lot of them were branch libraries. And he gave a grant to St. Paul to build three branch libraries, the first three branch libraries, one of which was the Arlington Hills, Arlington Heights uh, Public Library on the east side. Um, the other two were St. Anthony and uh, River, Riverview on the west side. Um, and those opened in 1917. And they were, we say, a reinvention of the public library because now it was reaching out into the community, into these new immigrant communities, uh, where there was this enormous demand uh, for library services. A real public access. Exactly. It was all about public access. Um, and, of course, it was already a free public library, but if there was just one building downtown and people were working hard all week, it was really more and more difficult to access it. Now it was in the neighborhood. And these... Branch libraries, although they were funded by Carnegie, were really the product of a popular movement in all the neighborhoods. We're all wanting to have these libraries, and uh, eventually that happened. And fortunately, the East Side was one of the first. Eventually, there was more branches, of course, uh, as the years went on, but Ellington Heights was one of the first. Early on, were they both centers for other activities as well as um, right. uh, uh, the availability of uh, borrowing a book? Right. So th that's one of the, I think, the really important things about the about our, our public libraries was really from the beginning, 
they were obviously repositories for books and a place where you could get a book, but they're also places where you could read periodicals. But they also were places where um, there was all kinds of classes um, in terms of language and all kinds of other things. There were places where there was lectures and talks. And so, for example, uh, when in the Carnegie Library Program, and these three libraries we're talking about are good examples of that, all those libraries that Carnegie funded always had some sort of lecture hall in the basement. So there was the books upstairs, and then there was a lecture hall in the basement. That was always part of the deal. And that lecture hall was both for the library's own programming and for the community to use in all kinds of different ways. I mean, it could be the Boy Scouts. It could be anybody in there. Uh, and so that was always uh, an important part of libraries, and, of course, it still is today. The other thing that Carnegie pushed, which I think is important, um, is that... Around 1900, when the Carnegie program started, librarians were first starting to think about how libraries should be reaching out to children in a different way. Mm -hmm. And so all the Carnegie libraries tend to have, for the first time, um, a separate designated children's department. Uh, and so, for example, in these three Carnegie libraries we're talking about, the first floor, there would be the adult reading room in one half and the whole other half of the first floor was the children's department. And the idea was that not only would the children's department have books for children, but the furniture and everything else would be geared towards children and more welcoming to children. And that was a thing that was happening in libraries across the country about the same time. And because of the Carnegie grants, it really pushed that idea of really reaching out to children. And that was a very progressive idea yeah. at the time to right. be able to adapt for children to learn yeah. and, and and give them the space that allows them to be comfortable in learning. Exactly. And, and, not, uh, and of course, that, that took off. And now um, I, I would, I would and, and if you go to any of the branch libraries mm -hmm. in both the cities, you'll see the children's departments are really large, uh, really carefully designed, really attractive, and you know librarians work really hard on that. Well, I'm going to need to take a break now and go to our next segment in just a bit. We're going to have to uh, have the audience stay with us through a few short commercials. But when we come back, I'd love to hear about the evolution. You say that it's there's been two or three uh, sort of revisions uh, or uh, evolutions that we should learn about. So I'm looking forward to that. And you're listening to Connections Radio Show here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm Peter Rackler from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue. Brunson's Pub is a place where history and passion are a part of every detail, starting with the menu. The Payne Phelan neighborhood arose from Dakota people who lived here for hundreds of years and pioneering immigrant communities, Irish, Swedes, German, and Italians, who made the East Side their home. More recently, waves of new residents from Asia, Latin America, and Africa continue the rich immigrant history and are revitalizing the community's cultural life and economy. Come experience Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Catch New Beginnings with Freddie Bell, Saturdays at 11 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Chances are, after spring cleaning, you missed a spot. A couple really big spots, like your roof and siding. Run your fingers across your siding. You'll likely get a gross residue. And your roof probably has some black streaks, too. Your roof and siding aren't always easy to clean, but they're definitely the most visible parts of your home that give it its curb appeal. So let Blue Sky Services clean your roof and siding. Blue Sky's safe soft wash method won't cause any damages and will make your home look like new. Right now, Blue Sky Services is running their summer special where you can get your whole house roof and siding clean starting at only $447. That's the most viewed parts of your home clean for only $447. Then mention AM950 when you call Blue Sky Services to get an additional $50 off. 
So get the curb appeal back on your home and call Blue Sky Services at 952-467-2447. That's 952-467-2447. Hello, fellow AM950 listeners. This is Jaja from Nightingale at 26 in Lindale. Come experience our delicious signature dishes and exciting rotation of inventive seasonal fare for my wife and chef, Carrie, and her team. Nightingale is the perfect place to gather for any occasion with our extensive wine, beer, and cocktail selection, along with our dedication to great service. We offer a full menu every day from 4 to 1 a.m., two award-winning daily happy hours, and weekend brunch at 10. More at nightingalempls.com. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host. Peter Ratcliffe is my co-host today. And we're talking Eastside Freedom Library. In, in the month of the 4th of July, it's a heck of a good time to be talking about the Eastside Freedom Library. It is. I love freedom. Is in the right there in the, That's right. In the title. That's right. And it's the first Saturday of the month, which is always mm-hmm. our Eastside Freedom Library chat. Yep. And we're having two great guests who are joining us. Greg Gout, who is the author of Reinventing the People's Library. Welcome, Greg. Thank you. And we've got Katie Carpenter, who's going to be joining us with her uh, impact-producing world. Uh, She works with uh, TPT, and she uh, most recently worked with Minnesota Remembers Vietnam. And we're going to hear about how she's working towards designing programs with the community and some partnership programs that are being done with the Eastside Freedom Library. Greg, in our last segment, you were telling us a little bit about your book, and how it really features the East, uh, what we call now is the Eastside Freedom Library. But early on, uh, the first iteration of it was when it was with the Carnegie New Libraries, starting out as the Arlington Hills Library. And it's uh, it's evolved over time. It has. And, uh, you know, these libraries uh, that... Uh, we understand to be Carnegie libraries. And when you travel around Minnesota, there's 65 of them, by the way, in, in Minnesota. And uh, they tend to be kind of neoclassical buildings um, with columns and those sort of things. They, they aren't all that way, but, but many of them are because that was the style at the time. And now we fast forward 100 years later to 2017, and a lot of those libraries are still in use, about 22 of the original 65. Some of them are gone completely, and many of them are being reused in some other way. But it's quite amazing for a 100-year-old building uh, to still be uh, functioning in the same same way. And so that's um, interesting to think about. How does that happen? One of the things that had to happen was handicap accessibility. So any Carnegie Library you've ever seen has a grand staircase up to a central entrance. And apparently no one thought a moment about accessibility in 1900 to 1917. So that had to be corrected in some way. If you don't do that, then it can't work. And so the Arlington Hills Public Library had an addition put on in the 1990s with an elevator in, in the back, and that's, that's absolutely crucial for, for all those libraries to survive. Uh, but, you know, sometimes um, library systems uh, want to move on and want to build a different library. And so in St. Paul, those two of the Carnegie libraries are still libraries in Riverview and St. Anthony. Um, but on the east side, the public library decided they wanted to build a new library on Payne Avenue that would be connected with a, a community center, with a rec center. And so in 2014, they, they left the Arlington Hills Public Library. And so this is now a a really dangerous moment for the neighborhood because the Arlington Hills Public Library is on a side street. Uh, It's a building that's really uh, would be difficult to repurpose in some other way. And uh, the city put it up for sale, but they wanted a lot of money for it. And that just, it wasn't going to happen. And this is when an incredible thing happened. And that's the second reinvention that we talk about in the book. And that's when Peter Ratchliffe and Beth Cleary came up with this idea of the Eastside Freedom Library, and eventually through all kinds of things, they came together uh, with the uh, public library and the city uh, to have this arrangement to create the Eastside Freedom Library. In addition to all the things you guys already been talking about, about what the Eastside Freedom Library does every day, it's also important to recognize that that meant that this building would be saved. Because, as everyone who works in the historic preservation world knows, as soon as a building is not used, uh, it's going to start deteriorating because people are not going to put the money into maintaining a building that doesn't have a, a, a you know a function, and so an abandoned building is an extremely dangerous building. It's also extremely dangerous for the neighborhood around it. I mean, it would basically slowly 
deteriorate, what people sometimes refer to as demolition by neglect. Mm -hmm. And so a building has to be used, and how this building was going to be used would have been really hard to imagine if the Eastside Freedom Library hadn't come along. So it's been a really great thing for the building and uh, for the preservation of this really interesting uh, architectural uh, site, uh, in addition to all the other things that go on inside it. And so the great thing is it continues to be a library, um, but just a different kind of library. You know, it still has done many of those same functions that we were talking about in terms of the public library now continue with the Eastside Freedom Library. So it's, uh, I guess you could say, a book with a happy ending. Uh, well, Peter, you mentioned a lot of work needed to go into that building when you first got it, more than maybe you even realized when you... Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I think that the city understood that if they were not going to keep the building... Um, you know, they ceased reinvesting in it. So the first thing that we had to do in the summer of 2014 was replace the roof. And we are now on the verge of replacing the entire heating and cooling system. Um, so, you know, that, that as handsome as the building is, um, its functioning parts needed uh, to be replaced. And we still have dreams of renovation We'd love to put in a sprung floor in the downstairs in that auditorium space that Greg was talking about so that people can actually dance and do yoga and other physical things in there. And we'd love to have a real kitchen because we think that the exchange of immigrant cultures uh, can greatly be facilitated through food. And we'd like to have the resources so that people can prepare and share food there. So there's still a lot physically that, that we would like to do. And donations are always welcome. <laughs> donations, <laughs> you betcha. Donations are always always accepted. But I, I, I want to go back to you know the Greg's initial points and say that we like to recognize at the Eastside Freedom Library that the wealth that Andrew Carnegie was able to share as a philanthropist, was wealth that was created by immigrants, immigrants who were employed by the U.S. Steel Company, by Carnegie Steel, by Oliver Mining, immigrant iron miners, coal miners, steel mill workers, that they really made Andrew Carnegie the rich man that he became and then the philanthropist that he was able to be. So there's something very appropriate in that we are designing programs and creating opportunities for people from contemporary immigrant communities to share their stories with each other and also to learn the stories of the earlier immigrants and the stories of the Native Americans who were pushed off the land, that these are all stories that have shaped the East Side and that sooner or later those stories bite us in the butt if we haven't become aware of them. And so it's critical to us that we be a space where people feel comfortable sharing these stories. And I love how your art uh, reflects the multicultural world and and the world that you live in in the east side and celebrates it and brings art in and has exhibitions as well right and we're constantly adding uh to the art and and i think it's it is as greg through his interest in architectural history is suggesting you know the the beaux-arts style the beautiful lighting the natural lighting in the space and the wonderful ways that we're able to show off the art that's been created by people who have come to the east side and and live their lives on the east side. And I know we're we're coming down to the last few seconds mm -hmm. uh, of this segment, but I I do have a couple questions that I want to ask you in our next segment and then we'll also hear about something coming up that's very cool about housing and celebrating some of the films that have been created by TPT and a, an opportunity to have them be viewed right there at the Eastside Freedom right. Library. So stay with us. Uh, we'll be back and we've got lots of good things to talk about and we'll get connected on that in our next segment. Hi. 
Hi, friends. I've been talking to you about Minnesota's first green cemetery, Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens. It's an entirely new way of looking at our last earthly step. Burials are designed to have as little impact on the environment as possible. For many of us, a continuation of the commitment we made during our lifetimes. Let me suggest you go to the website, mngreengraves.com. Explore what it is. Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens. It's a lovely place, a peaceful place. Minnesota's first green cemetery. This is Chad, owner of AM950, here to tell you about Snap Construction. They're experts in roofing, siding, window, and insurance restoration. They have energy-efficient products available for both residential and commercial properties. This spring, when we needed a company to take a look at a problem with our roof, I called the company I knew I could trust, Snap Construction. I've known Ryan, the owner at Snap Construction, for years, so I knew I could trust him. Don't just take my word for it. Check out their reviews online. They are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior contractor online in the metro area. Over the years, Ryan has always said the same thing to me about his work. If we build it, shouldn't we be held accountable for the work indefinitely? He backed that statement up years ago when Snap Construction was a pioneer in offering a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee on all their work. For a free estimate or general questions, call the locally owned company AM950 Trust Snap Construction at 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP, or find them online at snapconstruction.com. They have financing options available. This is Gregory Rich, founder of Habitation Furnishing and Design. I have a philosophy. Furniture should be beautiful, but if it's not comfortable, it's not much use to anyone. That's why at Habitation, we work hard to make sure that the furniture we sell is stylish and functional. Unique and useful. What more can you ask for? Habitation Furnishing and Design 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. It's the Twin Cities' best furniture and design showroom. The Downtown or Woodfire Grill in St. Paul is the perfect choice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Offering daily fresh seafood specials, fire-roasted meats, exquisite pizza, and half-price bottles of wine on Mondays and Tuesdays, except on Excel Energy event nights. Once you experience their cozy fireside dining, extensive wine list and bar, you'll be back for more. Gift certificates and private dining room for parties available. Located at 253 West 7th Street with plenty of free parking or online at downtownerwoodfire.com. Native Ritz Radio is proud to announce we've added an extra hour. Yeah, Chuske, one hour goes by too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. I'll have extra time to share important information about our sacred animals. And report national and native news from all over the country and Canada. This new hour is sponsored by Robbins Kaplan LLP, dedicated to redefining excellence for high-stakes litigation representation in Indian country. We are awake Hi, Matt McNeil for Rudy Luther Toyota. It's so amazing when two of your favorite things come together, like the new Toyota RAV4 having a hybrid version. Stylish, energy efficient, and tough, you can't find a better combination. A showstopper interior with intuitive technology, the look which gets you noticed, and the durability for all types of driving. And the RAV4 hybrid received the NHTSA 5-star overall safety rating. Test drive one today. Stop by Rudy Luther Toyota, 5 miles west of downtown Minneapolis on 394. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. We have Peter Ratcliffe, who is my co-host today. Good morning, everybody out there. And it's the Eastside Freedom Library Day because it's the first Saturday of the month. And we're glad that you've joined us and that you're part of the conversation. I also want to do a great big shout out to Brunson's Pub. It's a place of history and passion. And it's every detail at the Brunson's Pub is about inspiring um a connection to the neighborhood. So come and experience the Brunson Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you're there. Uh, especially if you mention either AM950 that you're a listener or you're a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. And you can learn more about Brunson's Pub at brunsonspub.com. Now, speaking of the community and celebrations, there's a big celebration coming up on July 18th to celebrate this book. Right. We're going to be having a book launch. Uh, Greg is going to share a little bit about his work and read a little bit from the book. And then we will have copies of the book that people can purchase for the very reasonable price of $15. And Greg will inscribe them, making them historical documents. So join us on July, July 18th. 
uh, for a celebration of reinventing the People's Library. Now, Greg Gout, you are the author of Reinventing the People's Library. And the question that I wanted to ask you from our last segment is getting to know the community. Yeah, so, you know, we worked really hard in the book to relate the library, the history of the library to the east side. And um, that's a really interesting thing. The east side is uh, is an incredible place, kind of a, a great place to learn about American immigration history and American labor history. So uh, originally the library was really the product of a, of a Swedish uh, community on Payne Avenue. The, the business community and other folks in the Swedish community really campaigned to have the library. But also there was uh, Irish and Polish immigrants uh, in the neighborhood, Italian immigrants in the neighborhood. And then later on there was new waves of immigration, Mexican, and then most recently Southeast Asian immigrants, especially the Hmong. And so the, the neighborhood is an incredible place of of, uh, kind of a melting pot of all these different uh, immigrant communities. And that's when we talk about stories, and when the East Side Freedom Library talks about stories, we're really talking about sharing the stories of all those different communities and sharing those stories with each other. The other thing is, of course, the uh, the labor history of it, and I think it's now kind of forgotten, but the East Side was an, uh, really, uh, an really amazing place of, of uh, industry. The Hams Brewery was one of the biggest breweries in the country, maybe the biggest brewery in the country at one point. Uh, 3M started there, uh, Whirlpool, and there was lots and lots of really good union jobs in that neighborhood. And then after World War II, they slowly petered out and all those places moved away or died or whatever. So there was a, a, a huge up and down in that neighborhood that's also really interesting. So the library was dealing with this incredible, rich and changing uh, social reality all the time. And uh, that's a really important part of the story, too. Well, I look forward to the 18th and yeah. being able to celebrate. And this is your first book published by yes. the Eastside Freedom yes, Library, and I right. hope many more to come. I hope there will be many more. <laughs> yeah. So let, let me, you know, jump in and pick up on the themes that Greg was just hitting on about stories and about ups and downs. Um, one of the great ways to tell stories is through film. Uh, and we're very fortunate here in St. Paul that TPT2, that there's a public television station that isn't just syndicating nationally or British-produced materials, <laughs> but are producing materials right here in this community and sharing them with us, um, and that these stories involve ups and downs. These are not only Pollyannish utopian stories, but they're also stories of challenge and, and struggle. And so when we decided in partnership with ABC Realty, a partnership that was really born right here in this studio, that we wanted to to tackle the issue of the housing gap, of the inequity in housing, particularly between white people and people of color, that one of the places that we turned to for resources was TPT2. And so I'm very happy that Katie Carpenter is with us this morning to tell us a bit about these films and their work at, at TPT2. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you for having me and this opportunity to be here and meet all of you. And um, we're really, really excited to be part of the upcoming screenings, too. We definitely have been talking to community over the past few years and realized housing is really something that it touches everybody. Um, and it, you know, it has such a big impact on all of our lives. And two documentaries kind of came out of those conversations that will be screening at, at um, I think, on July 9th and July 23rd at the Eastside Freedom Library. And one of the documentaries that a coworker, Kevin Dragseth, produced was called Sold Out, Affordable Housing at Risk. And this kind of it documents a group of tenants that lived at the crossroads at Penn, which is a housing community over in Richfield. And... Um, a tenant or a, a landlord who came in and uh, evicted them because they, of the uh, desire to make, you know, a brand new complex that is kind of a luxury apartment building. So a lot of these people couldn't couldn't afford to live there anymore. They were taken away from this the strong community that, community that they built. Um, and this is happening all across the Twin Cities. There's really a need for. Uh, you know, more luxury apartment buildings. So this and is fairly recently. This isn't. Yeah, this was from a couple years ago. Wow. And um, it's it's still happening a lot today. You see it in some of the first ring uh, suburbs that mm -hmm. had been um, 
had not had necessarily the luxury apartments because they were in the downtown, but we're seeing it stretch out now mm-hmm. so that I have heard about the first ring suburbs having challenges, but it's good that this is something that you're investigating through your documentary and, and exploring mm-hmm. what happens, what happens next. Yeah, and a lot of the the tenants were really brave to share their stories in this film, and actually a lot of those tenants, even though they weren't successful for themselves in saving their own apartment complex from this um, this new landlord, they were able to help other other groups advocate for their own rights and did make a lot of change in the Twin Cities, which is great. So, and there's a lot more awareness that's happening around this topic and. Um, social impact investors as well. That's kind of a new, a new group of um, nonprofits that are trying to to help, you know, keep some of these complexes um, and apartment buildings affordable for for groups. And how to keep community that mm-hmm. sense of community because yeah. that vital community, if it is disrupted by um, just being torn apart. You know, what? It, how can it be integrated versus pushed out? Mm-hmm. Now, the yeah. Jim Crow film that's going on at July 23rd, I watched uh, on television and was so moved by and had no idea um, some of the great uh, and important leaders of civil rights were actually kind of pushed out mm-hmm. uh, of Minnesota by the redlining and and. It, it broke my heart, but it showed sort of the tension that we have in Minnesota, where we think of ourselves as Minnesota nice. But there's um, there's great tension. And e- even today, there's great tension. We've got some of the most um, challenging environments for uh, um, a multicultural thriving community. It, it, we, it, we're not always welcoming. Um, so tell me a little bit about the Jim Crow. Jim Crow of the North, I think one of the most powerful things in the film is just the visualization of the um, the discrimination that was taking place with these racial covenants that were within some Blatant. of the deeds. Blatant. They did not yeah. want... Uh, did, not, did not want people of color, did exactly. not want Jewish communities. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just Yeah, I mean, these deeds just clearly stated that these properties could only be owned by whites. And when you see... This team called Mapping Prejudice at the University of Minnesota, they worked to digitize a million records and map those deeds that had the racial, racially restrictive covenants onto a digital map with the help of thousands of volunteers. So when you see these neighborhoods um, emerging that were segregated, you can see that this really was Jim Crow in the North. It, uh, and it's, there was a thwarting of economic progress. Exactly, and it's you feel the ripple effect even today. And so. you know, I I think that while as Laurie has said, she was able to watch the film at home. I watched it at home. It's one thing to watch any of these films on our small screen TV in the privacy of our living room. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to watch these films in a public setting with a diverse group of people from your community and I've really appreciated that with a number of films that TPT2 has tried to promote public viewings so that in addition to watching the film we can really have a conversation about it is is that part of what you're doing as impact producer it is yeah we feel the same way that I mean Films like Jim Crow of the North and Sold Out really have sparked really rich conversation and engagement. Um, And we're realizing, you know, the impact isn't just, it doesn't end with the broadcast. You know, how can we use these as tools to spark conversation? And in the case of Sold Out, even as a tool for advocacy and change. And it's been really inspiring hearing these communities and the conversations they're having, people who had just heard about the history of redlining for the very first time you know they're they're intrigued to learn more mm-hmm. and to take action and to bring these stories into their own communities so we're we're really grateful for the opportunity to to screen with mm-hmm. the community at the east side freedom library and and hear what they have to say about these and how these um topics and how they're impacting their own communities and are you also part of the Detroit 48202? No. Okay. No. So that's so we're bringing a third film in. There we go. That uh, made by a friend of mine based in New York named Pamela Sporn. 
um, which is a remarkable film, uh, Detroit 48202, which is a zip code. And it's a film narrated by an African-American letter carrier taking the filmmaker through the neighborhood in which he has delivered mail for more than 30 years, looking at houses that have been abandoned since auto factories have closed, and um, having conversations like the conversations that Katie described with residents of the apartment complex in Richfield, conversations with people who are desperately trying to hang on or who have been pushed out, and, and a real, get a real sense of the human costs of these economic decisions that get made in, in American society. So I'm very excited to be able to show that film as, as well. Well, we've got quite a lineup for July yeah. in the East Side Freedom Library, celebrating freedom in yes. the uh, 4th of July month. So in our next segment, we're going to go through the month of fabulous things happening. Uh, and we want you to stick around and be part of that. Also, I want to let you know that if you want to learn more about the East Side Freedom Library, you can go to their website which is the eastsidefreedomlibrary.org. Uh, and at that website, they have a calendar with events. But you can also learn about all the different things that the Eastside Freedom Library offers and how to get involved. One thing that I also like to mention is if you've got something that you want to be doing in partnership with the Eastside Freedom Library, Peter, would you share a little bit about if they've got an idea and they want to partner with you, how would they go about letting you know that they'd be interested in partnering? So they can shoot us an email uh, at info at eastsidefreedomlibrary.org. They can give us a call at 651-230-3294. They can drop in and hang around and talk. Mm -hmm. Uh, We like to call the people who want to get involved with us collaborators, and we want to collaborate with a broad range of people. We think that the more that people come together and are in conversation the more complex and useful ideas develop. And we want to bring those ideas into reality. And that's how this housing project got started with a a good conversation and and collaborators that are willing to step to the plate. But you also have artists that come to you and you've got um, all kinds of people that that want to talk about something important in the community. And this is a great place to do it. Yeah. All right. So stay with us. We're going to be looking at the calendar for the upcoming month of the Eastside Freedom Library. And I want you to join us and I'd like you to consider coming out to the Eastside Freedom Library. You're listening to Connections Radio Show here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm Peter Rackliff from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue, Brunson's Pub. Experience history and passion through the delicious menu, reflecting the Eastside's diversity. The choices are limitless. Salads, sandwiches, burgers, and shareable plates. Visit Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM 950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. Tom Hartman here letting you know how you can go solar with All Energy Solar, even way up north in Minnesota. Lots of people ask them, isn't Minnesota too cloudy for solar? No. The truth? For one thing, Minneapolis gets nearly as much sun each year as Houston, Texas. But it isn't just about how much sun you get. It's also about having access to great local incentive programs that make solar affordable. Learn what your options are to save with solar and visit allenergysolar.com today. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces is having its annual store-wide sale. For the entire month of July, all of our indoor and outdoor fireplace products and accessories are at their lowest price of the year. At Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, we display, explain, and install the Twin Cities' most diverse selection of indoor and outdoor stoves and fireplaces, including metal and masonry pizza ovens. As a Minnesota native, I know I cannot change the weather. How I experience the weather, that is my choice. I have an energy-efficient wood stove from Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. Having a fire makes Minnesota so much warmer. Having a wood stove means more than low heating bills. The heat is moist, the view mesmerizing. Our wood stove improves the mood of winter. 
It warms our heart as well as our home. Come see us. We have over 35 working displays in our store, which is just off I-94 at the corner of Riverside and East Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis. Woodland stoves and fireplaces since 1977. Out of the ordinary products and services to make fire work for you. Supporting the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities has never been easier. You'll find an expansive list of local dining options at eatlocalminnesota.com, from classic American comfort food to authentic flavors from around the world. Cafe Latte offers made-from-scratch soups, salads, sandwiches, and mouth-watering desserts. Stop in the wine bar and enjoy a unique pizza loaded with fresh vegetables and perfectly roasted meats. Over 30 wines by the glass, Cafe Latte highlights Washington State wines and is the perfect destination for date night or an evening with friends. 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. Victor's 1959 Cafe has been serving South Minneapolis traditional Cuban food for over 15 years. Victor's is open for breakfast and lunch daily and now accepts dinner reservations too. Stop in and try the Pollo Tropicale or the Sandwich Cubano, which was featured on Food Network. More at eatlocalminnesota.com. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host. We have Peter Ratcliffe, who is the co-executive director of the Eastside Freedom Library and the co-host of the first Saturday of every month. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Lori. This has been a great conversation. It's nice to be able to celebrate the history and the development and the second, um, the second vision of the library and the community. And Greg, thank you so much for sharing parts of your ideas and what you wrote about in reinventing the People's Library. We're glad you're here. Thank you. And Katie Carpenter, new to her new position of impact producer, but not new to TPT. Uh, her last big project was on Minnesota Remembers Vietnam. And your goal is to continue to work uh, with the community in designing programs. Um, yeah, and I'd love to hear about what's next on your plate and what TPT is up to. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, you mentioned the Vietnam Project. That was our last big multimedia initiative. It was statewide, and we partnered with the five other PBS stations in the state and really learned a lot from that about outreach and engagement and uh, collaborating really deeply with community to design the experience and gather a really rich and diverse collection of stories. So that involved documentaries, a digital platform, events, um, and of course education. So we're taking what we learned from that and are launching a new initiative in the coming year called Minnesota Journeys, which um, that's just you know a placeholder name, but I was really inspired by what both of you mentioned earlier about how the Eastside Freedom Library is a place for immigrants uh, to share their stories, feel welcome, creating a safe space to collaborate and share artwork and stories. And we, in this project, we wanna really deeply collaborate with communities to tell the history of Minnesota and um, bring a lot of those stories to light and um, just highlight you know, this place that we all call home. Well, terrific. And I love the idea of impact because uh, it's taking it one step further. And how does it impact us? Mm -hmm. uh, I've always been a, a big supporter of TPT, and it's nice Thanks. to see it go one step further and work in the community as well. Yeah. And speaking of community, yeah. cool things coming and, up. And impact. And yeah. impact. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, I, I want to mention a couple of things that are coming up yet in July. Um, this July marks the 85th anniversary of the 1934 Minneapolis Teamsters strike. Mm -hmm. uh, and we will be showing a documentary film called Labor's Turning Point um, and beginning a conversation about the impact of that strike 85 years ago wow. on the state's labor history, political history. Um, we have at the Eastside Freedom Library a one-of-a-kind board game created by a wonderful visual artist, Keith Christensen, so that you can play a board game in order to learn the history of the 34 strike and that you can use that history to sharpen your skills in strategic thinking. Um, it's a really brilliantly designed 
uh, project. Keith is an installation builder, muralist, and game creator. So come to the library on the 19th, Friday night, the 19th of July, to see the film. Um, and the film is Labor's Turning Labor's Point? Labor's Turning Point. Um, and then in the, the week after that, we will have the first in a series of workshops uh, with a group that we first met in the studio here at AM 950, and that's the group RISE. Um, Reviving. Rod, Reviving Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment. And uh, they are doing some very exciting workshops that link resisting Islamophobia to resisting anti-Semitism. And so these are workshops that are co-run by Muslim and Jewish women um, trying to deepen our understanding of the roles that hatred has played and what we can do uh, to resist it. So um, we're thrilled to be working with RISE and uh, to be bringing them. They're mostly based in North Minneapolis to be bringing them into the east side of St. Paul. And that, I see, is that the 24th? That is the 24th, the evening of the 24th. And we'll be hosting four workshops between now and November uh, in partnership with RISE. And people can visit their website or our website uh, to learn more information about that. And then I, I also want to mention that in our efforts to continue to bring great improvised music uh, to our neighbors on the east side, um, that we will be hosting an evening of the music of Paul Motian, who is a percussionist and composer who played with many of the great innovative jazz musicians of the 1950s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And that will be Friday night, the... 26th. 26th, yep. led by Steve Hirsch, who is a wonderful creative musician and educator. Um, come, and, come and get a taste of this kind of music. We, we like to say that people on the east side should be politically enfranchised, economically enfranchised, and culturally enfranchised. And, and so the Eastside Freedom Library is a, come, a place to come and exercise your rights to access to all of these resources. I also want to remind our audience about the screening of Sold Out, Affordable Housing at Risk on July 9th. And TPT will be there to support that event and to pro pro provide the film. I, uh, I should also just jump in and yep. say we're getting a lot of great support from the cookie cart. Oh, good, And yes. so there will be great cookies <gasps> as well as conversation. And then the next uh, event that I want to make sure is the screening. Oh, is, is the July 18th, where they're going to be celebrating the publication of Reinventing the People's Library. And uh, our friend Greg will be saying a few words about that. So you want to join for that. Then uh, July 23rd, screening of Jim Crow in the North, talking about housing issues and how important that is um, for how it's impacting uh, our world today as well. So thank you for joining us today on Connections Radio Show, featuring the Eastside Freedom Library and all the good things that are happening in that community and being celebrated at the Eastside Freedom Library. Thank you, Lori. Thanks, Lori. Oh, Thanks, pre Lori. Appreciate you <laughs> all Thanks, being everybody. here. Yeah. And, and, and remember, first Saturday of the month is the Eastside Freedom Library. And I want you all to go to at least one of those programs before next Saturday, uh, before our, our next August uh, radio show. You'll enjoy it. And we're glad that you're part of our Connections Radio Show and making a connection to the Eastside. Have a great week.